Boys will get deeper. All right. Today is Sunday, May 8th. We are reading from the big book of, over, of Alcoholics Anonymous, beginning with page 81, uh, beginning with the paragraph, Our Design for Living, um, and going to uh, page 83. Uh, there may be some wrong. Uh, and Carol will be our reader of our text. Hi, everybody. Our design for living is not a one-way street. It is as good for the wife as it is for the husband. If we forget, so can she. It is better, however, that one does not needlessly name a person upon whom she can vent jealousy. Perhaps there are some cases where the utmost frankness is demanded. No outsider can appraise such an intimate situation. It may be that both will decide that the way of good sense and loving kindness is to let bygones be bygones. Each might pray about it, having the other one's happiness uppermost in mind. Keep it always in sight that we're dealing with that most terrible human emotion, jealousy. Good generalmanship may decide that the problem be attacked on the flank rather than risk a face-to-face -face combat. If we have no such complication, there's plenty we should do at home. Sometimes we hear an alcoholic say the only thing he needs to do is to keep sober. Certainly he must keep sober for there will be no home if he doesn't. But he is yet a long way from making good to the wife or parents whom for years he has so shockingly treated. Passing all understanding as the patients, mothers and wives had with alcoholics. Had this not been so, many of us would have no homes today, would perhaps be dead. The alcoholic is like a tornado roaring his way through the lives of others. Hearts are broken, sweet relationships are dead. Affections have been uprooted. Selfish and inconsiderate habits have kept the home in turmoil. We feel a man is unthinking when he says that sobriety is enough. He's like the farmer who came up out of his cyclone cellar to find his home ruined. To his wife, he remarked, don't see anything the matter here, Ma. Ain't it grand? The wind stopped blowing. Yes, there's a long period of reconstruction ahead. We must take the lead. A remorse, remorseful mumbling that we are sorry won't fill the bill at all. We ought to sit down with the family and frankly analyze the past as we now see it being very careful not to criticize them. Their defects may be glaring, but the chances are that our own actions are partly responsible. So we clean house with the family, asking each morning in meditation that our creator show us the way of patience, tolerance, kindliness, and love. The spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. Unless one's family expresses a desire to live upon spiritual principles, we think we ought not to urge them. We should not talk incessantly to them about spiritual matters. They will change in time. Our behavior will convince them more than our words. We must remember that 10 or 20 years of drunkenness would make a skeptic out of anyone. There may be some wrongs we can never fully right, 
We don't worry about them if we can honestly say to ourselves that we would write them if we could. Some people cannot be seen. We send them an honest letter. And there may be a valid reason for postponement in some cases, but we don't delay if it can be avoided. We should be sensible, tactful, considerate, and humble without being servile or scraping. As God's people, we stand on our feet. We don't crawl before anyone. Thank you, Thank you so much, Carol, for reading. Um, and it's my, my pleasure um, to introduce our speaker uh, I, who will uh, share for 20 minutes, uh, Rachel W. Uh, please uh, unmute yourself. And um, um, would you like a five minute warning? Yes, please, thanks. Okay, thank you so much. Hi, my name is Rachel W, compulsive overeater. Um, feeling pretty recovered for today. Um, I am still in the process of making amends as I imagine I will be for a couple of years. But, um, you know, as, as a fellow Lori C said once, there's, um, I just realized as I said the word recovered, because I've got this association having listened to his tapes early in recovery, that there's been a pint of ice cream in my freezer for <laughs> a, uh, a whole week since a, a dog sitter was, was here and I didn't, even remember it until this moment, um, which is something that Laurie C likes to say. Anyway, um, today I have freedom from um, a really hopeless state of mind and body. Um, I haven't had to turn around in my car and um, make a left turn where I don't want to make a left turn and go through a drive-through or stop and pick something up to eat um, for uh some significant number of um, consecutive days now. And I'm incredibly grateful for that. Um, I'm incredibly grateful for, um, for the, the relief that I have um, from really on a daily basis when I'm doing this program, the bondage of self. Um, and um, I'm not cured. I have to do these things every day. And um, you know, fortunately I've got this instruction manual here that tells me how to do it. Um, and um, just a little bit of qualification. Um, I'm a, I, I'd say at this point, you know, and I, I wouldn't have when I first got in here, but I am definitely like the um, heroin level gutter drunk compulsive overeater. Um, and when I got into this program and when I first got absent, and I don't think I was, I had a much higher bottom at the time. Um, I wasn't yet eating continuously. I wasn't yet um, shoving entire cakes into my mouth with my hands. I wasn't, eating out of the trash yet. Um, I was doing things like preparing food and then grazing before it made it its way ever into um, a Tupperware, uh, you know, just to, to be my food for the week. I would like make a tray of something and then just kind of snack and snack and snack. Um, I would do things when I first came in here, like make a baked goods and say that I was um, going to just have one slice and then bring it in to work. Um, and give it away. And somehow um, it was always baffling to me that no one else in my workplace wanted blueberry pie at 10 a.m. Um, and so by the time lunch rolled around, it was still there because no one ate it at the work meeting except me. And, um, you know, I would, I would say I was going to eat other things and I would wind up eating dessert <laughs> every meal. And um, that's where I was when I got in here. Um, and it was insane because I would make these rules um, for myself 
and try and get my partner to help me keep them like, Hey honey. Cause I knew I had the concept of, of trigger foods by this point. You know, I had the concept of, of, um, things that, that, you know, I was powerless over to say no to. So I would say things like to my partner, like, you know, don't ever surprise me with pizza or don't ever surprise me with donuts or, or whatever it is. Just let me know if I'm going to be around it so I can psych myself up to say no with myself. Well, right. And then in the like two sentences later, I would be asking if we could go to Tino's for dinner, which by the way, maybe has a side salad, if not pizzas, but like, that's it. And I don't eat side salads. So, um, you know, I, I came back to OA. I had discovered OA briefly um, when somebody in uh, in a, another fellowship that I had asked to sponsor me, told me about it at OA. I'd gone to a couple of meetings about 10 years earlier, but when I really came back was when that particular partner and I were on the road somewhere. And um, he said, you know, I, I really wanna be supportive, but I really don't know how. And, um, and he said, you know, he's like, I just, you know, I'm happy to meet your request, but then the rules keep changing and that really, you know, that was really distressing for him. And I realized I was turning my, my partner into an Al-Anon over my insanity with food, you know, and he never, so, you know, I didn't have this book when I first got abstinent. Um, I was in mainstream OA and, um, what I got were, um, were some tools outside of the context of the instruction manual in these books. And the tools are great, but I find for myself that if I'm actually working this instruction manual of the big book every day, I am necessarily using the tools. I'm necessarily writing things in a journal. I'm necessarily calling my fellows. I'm necessarily doing all of those things. But at the time I did not have that understanding. Um, and uh, I knew that I couldn't control myself with with certain ingredients, but not others. And so I, I would I was still eating compulsively, and I didn't really understand what that was or what that meant. Um, it was things like having a you know an entire bowl full, splitting maybe an entire bowl full of fat free, sugar free, uh, uh, butterscotch pudding, and I wanted to eat it with these little itty bitty you know spoonfuls, so I could get just the taste and the taste and the taste and the taste. And my partner's just eating normally, and I'm getting furious at him. I'm getting like just like what the like there's not going to be enough for me. And, and, um, long story short, I had a, a vanilla extract in the milk, um, which by the way, is the same proof as whiskey in the milk. If anybody's wondering, even though it was only a quarter teaspoon and it turns out anyway, long story short, there was, there was actually sugar in it. Cause I got, I got a little high off of it and was like, Oh my God, what have I done? I just put whiskey in the milk. Anyway, long story short, um, I went to a first step meeting and um, a first step OA meeting um, in Cherry Hill and, um, and found some people who carried me a message of how to work this book um, in this fellowship with food. And, um, and I'd love to say that my, um, my recovery was smooth. I had a little over a year and then a slip. And then I doubled down on my steps and then another slip. And it took me about two and a half years to find myself back in the sugar from when I first came in and worked the steps. Um, but I eventually did. And I can tell you exactly why that happened. Um, because I got some tremendous freedom. Not only was I still eating a couple of, um, ingredients that, that I may not have had as obvious an allergy to, but I definitely did. And I got more sensitive to over time. Um, but I also didn't, didn't finish an amends. And I, I had made an amends um, and it was a really significant amends. And then I hadn't followed through with it. And it is no surprise to me that after on about month two of having not followed through with this thing, I promised to do in an amends 
that was my first slip. You know, it was the first time I made two batches of something, one for the rest of the family and one for me without my ingredients. It had a bite of theirs. And um, none of that's a mystery. And um, the other times when I've gone back and I've picked up food have been because I'm not living in 10, 11 and 12 and I'm not being honest. I'm not being honest with myself. I'm not being honest with people. And most often, you know, it says um, in the book that, you know, if our behavior continues to harm others, then we're quite sure to drink. And for me, if I'm not in 10, 11 and 12 every day, I can't actually continue to do nine. It's, it's really this whole system. Um, and my behavior will continue to harm others. And um, so I, um, I relapsed and it was bad. It was like, it never had been the first time. And I, um, I mean, I, I'll tell you, it's not like I picked up where I left off. I picked up where I'd been going if I'd been eating continuously the entire time. And, and at that point I recognized myself um, in every single person in this room's story, um, stopping at every exit um, on Highway 95 between Baltimore and Philly, um, uh, you know, hiding things in my room, shoveling things into my mouth, eating from the trash. Um, it scared the hell out of me and it only lasted a weekend. And I got a sponsor from a particular phone meeting, did a first step um, because my first step hadn't been done using the big book. I had kind of come into the big book a little bit later in the process. Um, this time I completely identified all of my allergic ingredients. I, I, I identified all of my behaviors and I got free for about a year. And then I stopped doing 10, 11 and 12 regularly, um, got into a new relationship and, um, and let that stuff go and relapsed again. And that time couldn't get back after a weekend. Um, took me about four months of hell to get back. And, um, and every single time I've done this work, I've come up against step nine. And, um, you know, I would say if you ask me that I'm not afraid of step nine, but the fact is I never finished step nine before this round. Um, there were some amends that maybe I wasn't ready for. Um, there are some amends that, um, I had to go back and remake. And so this time I went back and I remade that original amends. Um, and, you know, as I go through and I read this today, you know, um, it's just kind of amazing that um, I get asked to do this particular section. Um, I, um, you know, I've, I've been in a lot of these situations, you know, I've been actually the person who jealousy could be vented against. Um, and my amends for that um, I uh, was something I had to do. I, I come from two, um, two, I'm really fortunate that in my fellowships, I've got two really, really strong sponsorship lines. And in one of them, um, they're pretty liberal on amends. And when I mean liberal, I mean, we make them, we make these amends. Um, when it comes to people that we've harmed, um, you know, it says here, um, you know, uh, that, we're yet a long way from making good to the people for whom we, for years for whom we've um, so shockingly treated. Living amends don't cut it. And I've been in other fellowships and, and other rooms where people just say, oh, it's just, you know, I just need to make living amends. I just need to do differently from now on. I just need to not steal anymore. I just need to not cheat anymore. Um, I just need to not be an asshole anymore. And um, first of all, um, my understanding is that I don't, I don't actually have the power on my own power to do that. 
Um, it's been my experience that um, anywhere in my life where I'm still lacking power, anywhere in my life where I'm having trouble showing up, there are unmade amends in that area. And for me, um, you know, it, the, the two biggest ones are work and actually relationships. And I wouldn't have said relationships a while ago, but God's done some really interesting things. I find that when I'm really, truly willing to make amends, God has brought some amends uh, into my life. So there are some questionable situations. You know, there are some people that I needed to make amends to, but um, I could potentially harm their families um, by reaching out to them um, and reinitiating contact. Um, and in my line, you know, we, we make them if we can, but in that particular one, I didn't reach out. Um, and kind of amazingly, as I got to step nine, when I was working the steps this most recent time around, I got a LinkedIn message from that individual. You know, it's like, I, I, I remember I said a prayer. It's like, God, I, if I'm meant to make this amends, please make it obvious. And I don't think I can reach out to them. But if they, you know, I, I, it didn't occur to me, like if they reached out to me, but they did. And so I'm able to make this amends. Um, I went back and I um, sat there with my PhD advisor who I had to remake an amends to. And um, after I'd made that original amends, not only hadn't I fulfilled it, I had made it worse, you know? And I listened as, as he sat there and said, you know, you were just another person that used me. And, um, and the really truly miracle is that I was really present for that conversation. Um, and I didn't feel like a, a victim of his in that conversation. I, I was pretty tearful, like choked up but but like not choked up with hurt or shame but like choked up with like sincerity about really really meaning that I want to make it right um so living amends just don't cut it um sobriety is is not enough sobriety in the food is not enough um I need direct amends before I can make living amends and and after that um there is a truly long period of reconstruction, you know, and we must, we must take the lead, right? And when I hear we must take the lead, um, for me, what that means is nobody else needs to work a program for us to recover. Um, and I'm in a really beautiful partnership right now. And, um, you know, in my, in my, in my marriage, when I first got abstinent, um, oh man, I was so the person that just wanted to talk incessantly about program and spiritual experiences. And I think back on that and I think back on some of the inconsistency of my behavior. And I was with a recovered fellow in another program and he must've just, he must've, you know, been angered by my hypocrisy, which I was blind to guys. I was blind to any ways. Um, I couldn't see, I couldn't see my own behavior, honestly. And um, and he didn't talk to me about those spiritual principles incessantly, you know, I, um, and in my present relationship, you know, I've been, um, I've been well on my way to recovery and there have been some really rough stuff that my partner has been going through. And when I try and talk program, when I try and talk spiritual matters, man, is that the, that is just the least effective thing I can possibly do. But when I'm actually just working this program, when I'm working with sponsees, when I'm praying and I'm meditating and I'm holding my own bubble of love in the face of somebody else's unmanageability, which I can only do, by the way, if I follow the instructions on the page, the top of page 83 here that says that I ask each morning that that my source show me the way of patience, tolerance, kindliness, and love. 
um, I ask for that pause. I ask for, you know, there's a step 11 instruction here in step nine, in this part of step nine. Um, and it's not a theory, I have to live it. And, and um, I'm the person in these rooms that doesn't wanna live it, I wanna talk about it. And if I am not interfacing with my fellows who can call me on stuff, then I will fall into the delusion that talking about the 12 steps is the same thing as doing the 12 steps every day. Because believe me, I love to talk about them. I'll talk about them every single day. I love this work. I love these steps. I love the results that I get from it. Like I love God. I love, and, and by God, I mean like this, this totality of an experience that I couldn't even, um, I didn't even try to define, you know, and if you're, if you're struggling with the word God and you're new, um, you don't have to believe in God. You just have to believe in a power and have to be open to an experience. And that's where I started. And I noticed that I had an experience in step three and it was the one that the book named. And I noticed that I was having an experience in step five and it was the one that the book named. Um, and I had the experience of being halfway through step nine. Um, you know, and I've had glimpses um, that by the way, go away after a month or two, if I haven't kept going with my amends and I've made all my big amends. Um, but I find that as I go through, God is constantly revealing more people I could make amends to. And not all these people were amends that I needed to make because of my compulsive overeating or because I was even interacting with them while I was in the real true depths of this disease or any other, um, but anything that's on my conscience, anything where I was living out of integrity with, with the, my soul in a way, um, when I make it right, I gain access to power. As I make work amends, I gain the power to show up and work. As I have made, um, amends with people who I treated as a game. I had periods of my life where um, I was really happy with how my body looked because of the way that my disease was manifesting in those years. Um, and um, was all about attention and excitement. And I was definitely a tornado in the lives of a lot of people. Um, and it was, it was fun to me at the time being that kind of a tornado. And for me to come out of that, by the way, you know, with anybody that I've lived with and just say, Hey, I'm abstinent today. That's enough. That's just straight up gaslighting. It's just gaslighting really like, don't see anything the matter here. Now I'm abstinent for today. Um, you know, I'm sober today. I, I need to be active in my amending my behavior. And I don't have the power to do that unless I'm praying. I don't have the, I get the power. It's really paradoxical because I get the power to make amends by making amends in a, in a way. I get the power to not do further harm by making amends. And as I'm making these personal amends, these rounds, I'm finding slowly, not perfectly, believe me, I'm making mistakes here a lot. Um, I'm having the opportunity to take the role that my, my ex-husband took with me in my life right now. And, um, and I find that it's as I'm making these amends and following the instructions on these two pages that I um, am getting the power to behave differently, at least a little bit, um, at least I'm shortening that cycle and I'm making amends 
um, you know, cause I have a tendency to want to criticize and I want to criticize how my partner works a program. And I want to, I see the, the glaring defects and, you know, I can left to my own devices, just be how their behavior is affecting me. But the fact is my own actions are partly responsible. Um, there's a magic in being able to say, you know, like maybe I didn't have a, have a particular response, but you know what? I, I may have been giving off nonverbal signals that I was unaware of. And even just being able to take the perspective of another person and say, hey, if I was, if I was even a little bit ill, I might be real, real hurt and take what I did or said or how I said it differently. Because Lord knows I do when left to my own devices. I have this expectation that other people should be ways that I myself am not. Um, and so am five I- Five minute warning. The five minute warning now? Okay. Um, so um, yeah, um, I have to, I have to ask every day um, to be patient, to be tolerant, and to not talk incessantly about program. Honestly, guys, this is where my biggest challenge is, you know, and to not talk incessantly about program when I recognize the signs of somebody else's spiritual malady. You know, this is just like, this is, this is basics. Um, um, because my defects are things like arrogance and impatience. And I think I know exactly how you need to recover. And I think I uh, know exactly what pace, you know, I just try to play God on my own um, as a default. And it does uproot affections. Um, it is selfish. It is inconsiderate. Um, and it's not loving. And I'm grateful for every day that my higher power gives me the ability to um, let bygones be bygones. Um, there's some really beautiful advice here about, um, about fights and about conflicts and about things that we've done to each other. Um, I love the line in this section of the book where it says, each might pray about it, having the other one's happiness uppermost in mind. Um, and it's such a beautiful prayer for discernment um, when making amends of a bigger variety um, but also when making amends for the smaller stuff that goes by every day, like the prayer kind of could be said, like, please show me how to make them most happy. Right. Um, and it may not be bringing up the thing from the past. It may not be. Um, telling them you know, in the sense of some of these other amends, everything that I've done, right? Like what, what is going to unburden them? I'm not making amends so that I feel better. I'm making amends so that I can give somebody else the opportunity to unburden themselves. And my litmus often for whether or not I make a direct amends, like, look, I think it's delusional that certain kinds of transgressions, somebody who's been hurt by it, that they're not going to, there's a, an amend I needed to make. And I, I think I can be pretty reasonably sure without a shadow of a doubt that every time a particular person goes to the gynecologist, they probably think of me and the effect that I had on their family without going into details about that. Um, and the likelihood that my bringing it up is gonna be the first time that they've thought about this in 10 years is, is just unlikely. Um, I don't necessarily make a direct amend in cases like that, but what I can do is, is I can send a letter and just say, look, 
I, I did tremendous harm to you, to your family. Um, and I don't want to reperpetrate. So feel free to ignore this. Um, but I do feel like I owe you the chance to, um, say anything and get off your chest, anything that you've ever wanted to, to say to me and let me know how that impacted you after I, in this letter, acknowledge how deeply selfish and inexcusable my behavior's been. Um, and um, I, I'm skipping all around this section here, you know, and then, and then there's other problems where, you know, the right way to do it is to attack it on the flank rather than face-to-face -face combat. I love you veteran, Bill here. Um, but sometimes I don't make direct amends in situations like that. You know, um, I've gone to um, support groups and just listened, um, support groups for people who have been on the receiving end of something that I've done in my disease um, and just listened, listened as they shared about the impact of what they were struggling with when I've been on the other end of that behavior. Um, that's a way that I can address it on the flank. Um, in each case, though, I say this prayer, right? Please show me how to make them the most happy, how to keep the burden on them the least. Um, and when I have gone to some of these situations and made some direct amends to exes, to people that I've treated horribly, um, it's been uncomfortable and it's given me more freedom more flow, more peace of mind, more ability to connect with my higher power than anything else I've done um, in recovery. And the harder the amends, the greater the flow of power because these unmade amends that I keep, and, I, and by which I mean unmade direct amends, are keeping me blocked from conscious contact. I can't maintain it without doing this work. So, um, you know, um, I didn't even, yeah. Um, I think, uh, I think that's all, um, I think that's all that God wants me to say right now. So, um, thank you guys for letting me share and thank you for being there for me. Um, some of, you know, um, some of the health stuff I've been struggling with and, um, I appreciate, I just want to say to all of you right now, um, as I'm like finishing up, I'm really grateful for all of your outreach and support. Um, this fellowship is really a very, very beautiful thing. Um, it's everything it's cracked up to be and I'm deeply grateful. Thank you.